grain podcast i always wear this bucket hat when i'm directing discord we are a creative we get it instagram patreon as a filmmaker he is nothing a zero he's a, a pig piece of shit rub vaseline on the limb wes anderson if like the sound is off in the theater i, I go mentally ill Mike Jones sucks bad. These guys are liberal filmmakers. They cannot be trusted. Why do we have to see this fucking name in the movie? Films. This is a film. Let the creative people talk to the money people. Best Bender. Final Cut Pro. Anything by Castavetes. Gritty New York City. We love the Iron Pass. What, no Q&A? I was right. obsessed with trash. Never make a movie. The movie's trash, you know? Joe Schmo did the fucking food. James Gray sucked. We got Ion Pack. We got uh, Tony Hawk is in the house. Doritos bags look mad different. Best Bender. Bro Packer. I call it director juice. Make out with girls. I, I'm crazy about sound. M. Night I'm my fucking line producer trust fund, baby. And you'll never make it in this business. I'm a true movie lover. And I've watched these films hundreds of times. There's a whole group of guys who pretend to be making special films. Oh, should, should I put the heat on? It's cold as fuck in here. Yeah. Nah, heat makes me feel sick. I know, I like doing things better when it is cold. Like, I like the movie theaters and shit are cold. Because like keeps me I like when paws are cold, <laughs> like when Eugene's in the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were noticing that the the temperature's been dipping again in New York since we've been doing all these solo pods. Yeah, we've well, had a cold feeling in our bones. Yeah, no, but it got it got cold, so we're doing a pod to warm it back up again. <laughs> Temperatures are going to go up as soon as we drop it. It's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so underrated. Heat like dries out my sinuses. I'm you know it makes it sucks. Heat sucks. Oh, dude, I'm not looking forward to summer. I like. I, I, mean, know, I know things being can, heat is obviously sick, but uh, but heat. Yeah, sucks. things. Yeah, things being a- actually hot <laughs> sucks. <laughs> um, damn, we're back, everybody. This yeah, is the we're, we're back. Pod, we're called the Iron Pack. <laughs> we're the Iron Pack host of the Iron Pod. I'm Ion Two. This is Ion One of the Iron Pack. Let's pretend like this. The, the let's Ion pretend Pod. like this is the first time we're doing this. <laughs> It's really come full circle where the most recent episodes feel more similar to episode one than I know because we realize we just don't know what we're doing. <laughs> like what? We, what the fuck? We like talk about the Will Smith slap. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna talk about the Will Smith slap, even though the reason that it makes me depressed yeah. is because of shit like us talking about it. It's actually so unbelievable too because we just sat here before we pressed record. Talking for the past like three hours. We went to fucking his office. Fucking his office. It's now like two thirty in the morning. <laughs> Everybody's been going to fucking his always lately. It's I sick. know. You know, we should talk about. It. We've just been meeting bulls, and we're like, yeah, he went the fucking his always. always. Yeah, <laughs> like not knowing the guy. No, because well, look, but there's knowing a, that it says always. Look, look. Okay, there's people who I meet all the time who go the fucking. I constantly. Oh yeah. Every day for the past however many years. Those are your kind of people. Yeah, and meeting and talking to people who go the fuck in. 
There's a difference between people who go the fuck in and people who go the fuck in as always. All right. I know the bull you were chilling with the other night goes off. Goes off fucking as, as always. Always. As always. As usual. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but every, I'm really proud of everyone. Everyone's been going the fucking as always, and that's how that's how it needs to be. Yeah, big shouts to going the fucking as yeah, always. Big shouts, huge shouts. Um, maybe let's start with the movie we just saw. Yeah, you already know. We went to go see the new Richard Linklater movie, Apollo Ten and a Half. Somehow the most like a space age childhood yeah, story or something. But That's somehow something. the maybe the most under marketed movie of all time, really. No, I I didn't hear about it until it was out. Well, I saw in Cave's journal that he had seen it with his son, and then I right. messaged just about like you got to talk to Richard Linklater about Apollo Ten and a Half. I was and we were like, like, what? What yeah. is this? We're like, oh, it's out, and we were, okay. We're only people in the theater. And we had looked at buying tickets for every time that day. No, we need to talk about it. It was at the Alamo in downtown Manhattan. One of the weirdest places. There's a random new Alamo in Fidei. And it's fucking weird. That's underground in like a vacant office building. The, the lobby, it's so non-places. I know. It's extremely non-places. Remember the floor that I went on where it was just like encased in glass? And I was mm-hmm. like, this door open and it was open. Was Nothing's like weirder than the weird... door to nowhere. The... the, the, the Pointless atrium with the LCD screen, with the like split up screen. You like, yeah. couldn't see the but, the. but the fact that it's set up like an atrium like that. I saw. I went back and there was like they were like, playing the basketball game on it. So weird. It's the weirdest place. Go go to Alamo downtown. No, the shit. You know what's underrated that I was going to tell you about that animation is that like this is a big thing because I like live in like southern Manhattan mm-hmm. and like I walk by all these like expensive FIDAC buildings that like, there's like offices in. Mm-hmm. They all have this like weird corporate art in the lobby or like it's kind of like like damien hearst type like jeff coons i don't know it's just like weird like but it's billionaire art swag kind of shit but it's just like that aesthetic bought from some like wholesale interior design company right that's what you would think but no it's randomly like is all famous artists really like was telling me something recently we were walking by a building and she was like you know that that's like a blah 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 piece and i was like what and i like it was something i never noticed i literally like thought it was like buy it for the lobby there was there was like a digital like scoreboard style thing where there was like scrolling text on it and Mm -hmm. it just looked like nothing to me like never looked at it never noticed it it was like always had like random sentences scrolling on it and i was like i never noticed it and she was like that's a piece by blah 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 and i was like oh that's like some like art (laughs) i was like what are you kidding me and then I looked it up, and like, the, the art was randomly heat. Like what the sentences were saying. Now I always look at them like, damn, it's randomly insanely sick. But I was, but the art in the lobby of the Alamo in downtown Manhattan, it like looks like corporate art, like almost like the expensive version of like Airbnb art, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that art specifically looked like some like Ed Forniella style shit to me. Yeah. Like low key, that's how those artists sometimes like be making money is that they like a commission to be some like right. Well, isn't it lobby for the Alamo in the expensive building across from the federal? Right. Reserve. Well, people call it like corporate Memphis or something. Or did, did Brad make that up? Oh, that it, that's actually exactly what, what I'm talking yeah. about. Okay, so he already figured. It yeah, out. it's like some really neutered version of Memphis shit. He should just take over our pod. He's yeah, smart. It's always his reports. I'm like, why do I? What am I, what's even the point of me talking about anything? Um, which sucks because Memphis is, is he, obviously. I feel like art people have. I mean, I fuck with Memphis hard, but I feel like art people have like a weird chip on their shoulder about. Yeah, it. remember when that guy we knew like had the Memphis desk? Yeah, that was he. Where is that? 
because he left New York and like left it behind. Where I know it? when I when I discovered that shit, I was like, maybe I am about furniture shit. <laughs> I was like, this shit's so cool. I yeah, think I it's he had he had a Memphis desk that was worth like I don't know seven grand or something. I think it's like how furniture people feel or like art people or design people feel about like the same way in which movie people feel about like oh David like Lynch shit. Mm-hmm. It's like oh I just got into it. I was like oh yeah yeah like of course yeah like they kind of are some like yeah. Well, people hated Memphis. I don't know. I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but like art people hated Memphis right because it was too like playful. Yeah, let's let's switch. Topics. It was some like PC no, music no, of uh, of furniture. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just looks yeah. like. But yeah, do you remember when had the Memphis desk? Oh yeah, the god. Yeah, that was the last time I ever saw him. Was I witnessed a girl drunkenly put a cigarette out on it, and he freaked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that girl's now a famous singer. Who, which singer? I'll tell you later. Oh. Um, she was not then. Now she's famous. Like actually famous, or like us. Like our no, like famous. big, Some, but really? um, like top forty. No, or uh, no, but she's like quite big, and uh, really big uh, she ruined the Memphis desk. Damn. She can probably afford to pay him back now. Though. Anyway, we saw this Linklater movie. What were you gonna say about the theater? You had some whole shit about the theater. Yeah. Oh no! I was just saying that we looked at times for the whole day, and oh, yeah. there were no seats sold. To be fair, though, that theater just opened. I think people don't really know about it yet, but still, yeah. I've heard no one brings movie up. I mean, either. And I and I told a bunch of people. People were like, "Oh, what are you doing Saturday?" I was like, "Oh, I'm going to the new link letter." I was like, "What?" what yeah, are you not about? a single person yeah. knows what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's I guess also partially makes sense because it's like a new one of his like rotoscoped animation movies so like maybe seems like less real or something right um then i was also talking to somebody they're like oh i don't really like like late period um richard linklater i was like first off first of all i've never heard someone refer to it as like late period (laughs) i was like this bull's not that old but i guess technically i I never i know what they mean I know, like they don't like like Boyhood and all, which is crazy though, because like I mean, everybody wants some. This person so has not seen Boyhood. Also, oh. new take. I think we need to revisit Boyhood. What do you think is Ramy Nozick? No, I think it's insane. I, mean, I think it's a special film. Yeah, so do I. Why? Oh, you mean revisit it just so we? Yeah, no, true. I haven't seen like it in a while. I think the like the legacy of that movie is just so strange and kind of sad because it's like it was such a big deal for good reason when it came out, and it is so great. And then it like got so overrated because it was some like Obama like fucking. Oh right. You know what yeah. I mean? It just became. It like, got overrated. Yeah. It got overrated hard. It was way too hot. Well, I remember, it was I, too I remember, hot for its own good. It's, I remember talking to someone else about this, and we were just like, "Ah oh, man, not to be hyperbolic, but." It's really like one of the best, like top ten movies of all time. But it seems to be that really only men think this is truly a men's movie. No, I know plenty of. I mean, it's definitely predominantly guys. But I mean, well, it's a movie about it. Right. I remember I went to see it with the girl I was seeing at the time, and I was like crying. And oh, she dude, was like, I "Oh, had, I was sick." I had. I was like, a, "You kidding me?" I had a fucking meltdown when I saw it. I saw it. So I was at Sundance. I was pretty young, mm-hmm. and. You yeah, know, I went on my twenty third birthday. I remember wow. That. Yeah. Oh, so I was, so I was twenty three or four. Though. Yeah. Oh wow. Age reveal. Um, oh fuck. Sure. No, I was forty four. Um, <laughs> can you imagine if I was forty four when I saw it? <laughs> um, but Sundance was like at that point already getting like kind of boring and like oversaturated with like Hollywood vanity projects and like some good indies. Like maybe you'll catch up stream color or like something interesting that was sort of like you're not randomly. Maybe this won't come out in theaters mm-hmm. or it's just like going hard as hell for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a pretty boring year as I remember. 
And then it was like a huge rush to the box office because like on Twitter and like in the town, it was like Richard Linklater is unveiling his movie of the past that he's been making for the past 12 years or whatever randomly tonight. Like go get tickets. And I was like, whoa, because it had kind of been rumored that IFC was like funding over time, like hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years for him to make this like durational drama. And I was like, oh, that definitely is heat. Um, but it like sold out instantly and like I went, like I got a ticket to it and like the impact that that screening had on me like totally changed my life. And like I was thinking about that the other day, I was like, wow, I really underrate that. Like I really let the culture overrating it, like make me underrate it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. No, I never like became contrarian about it. I was always like, nope, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. I don't but even yeah, remember I it now. Like I barely, I have, I don't think I've watched it in like six plus years. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it, I think three times, but. Um, I saw it again when it came out uh, at BAM, and then I thought, yeah, I've, I mean, I watched it a lot, one, you know, in the years that followed, but, um, but yeah, then Everybody Wants Some, which I think also got severely underrated because Boyhood was so good, mm-hmm. and it's like not somewhat, it's not as epic, and it's not as, you know, ambitious. I, I don't understand why that movie's so underrated, it's unreal to me. Well, because that's the movie I bring up. I'm like, no, have you but, seen I mean, I mean, obviously, so. everybody loves like Dazed and Confused. It's the same style of movie. But, I mean, it doesn't well, have like McConaughey, on, like cool yeah. quotables in the same way. Everybody but. just falls back on. Everyone's just like, before Trilogy's great, which obviously it is. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. That's probably his best shit. But at the same time, he really he's, he never stops. He's so goaded. He's he goes the fucking as always, but in particular, rotoscoping. Is going, is going the, the fuck, fuck in as always. always. It's ridiculous. I know. It's so absurd. This new movie, it's just I was just like, dude, do you realize how much fucking work that took? I mean, it's a Netflix produced movie, so there's clearly money. Wait, but they like shot the whole thing. Then rotoscoped it. Like you could draw I read it that after maybe they did like it. imagined landscapes, like a lot of maybe they had like, to have. There's it, w- it would be like so much work to not like they had to just be like acting on I like a sound stage or something. That type of animation shit. Yeah, I mean, I actually like. I gotta ask Tracy. I learned. We learned rotoscoping in in learn, college, right? I didn't learn that shit. I learned like how to mask. Oh no, you didn't take that class. What? Remember, I took the anim uh, animation wow. class. Yeah, yeah, remember that? Damn, you took that? Yeah. Why? Why did what? Because it was you like lost. no, you because lost in, this, <laughs> in the experimental film. Sauce. So it was a two semester thing. Second semester it was experimental film. Mm-hmm first semester it was animation mm. it used to be a year-long experimental film class and i've been ta- planning on taking it that year and they were like randomly this year the experimental film has been oh. condensed to one semester and it's animation the first semester so i was like all right i guess randomly i'm taking animation mistake. yeah it was, i mean i was like i'm never going to use this skill but although word. i got i got lost in the sauce <laughs> taking experimental film for even just the full year I mean, I mean, I was lost in the experimental sauce for like four years. Oh, no, you were point. about that I was shit. deep in the sauce. Yeah. To be fair, I'm randomly going back to that. I miss it randomly. The Oscars I mean, made dude, me miss it. Brackage is hit. Heat. Brackage is Brackage hit. hit. Brackage is hit. <laughs> I'm going mentally ill. Dude, I, mean, I, had like a, I had like a Facebook relationship with Phil Solomon. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Big shouts. Um, Big shouts. But yeah, link leaders go to... I mean, before we get into the movie, I think we should just give big shouts to the bull mostly because i think personally just as somebody who's like interested in filmmakers and film he is the most aspirational in personality and attitude towards the world he's the person like i'm most jealous of how they engage with like 
filmmaking and the press and just like his general demeanor is like i'm like damn i wish like that's the way to be mm-hmm. just like chilled out like not anxious like you know breezy texan he's American so man. i mean yeah we oh we never explained that i one. mean yeah yeah <laughs> explain that how do you even explain that there's this guy we knew who we used to throw events with um yeah. who was like <laughs> d- very chill but he was somehow also felt guarded and i think ultimately he was just chill but something Slightly about swagro well no i think i don't think he was swagro i think he had very like pregnant pauses yeah and we interpreted that as swagro but then it he came to a chill conclusion and there was never a swagger there to begin with. Yeah. So it became a vibe that we referred to as, I mean, yeah, because we would ask him for something and he would go, I mean, and we thought something was coming. We thought yeah, it we was thought he'd like explain something or be like, yeah, he would just go, and then, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was always like something about like money. Yeah. But we'd be like, well, like actually like maybe I think we need to split it this way. Cause blah, 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 blah. I mean, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's just very like ambiguous. Like, brief there, moment. Is there beef? Like, <laughs> exactly. What, like, exactly. Like, is he pissed? <laughs> exactly. Like, he always kept us on edge. It, it felt like he was kind of like nagging us or something. Yeah. Well, I would be like, was that was did, was was, was I mean yeah just a yeah? Yeah. Or we'd always get into the studio yeah. and be like, was he just weird to you? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we're like, what was his vibe just now? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, man, Which honestly is such a power move. Like getting people to like wonder that about you is like the most powerful position oh, you can be in. I miss the bull. I know he was a, he was the god. Yeah. Why are we bringing that up? I mean, yeah. Uh, because Richard Linklater's vibe is, I mean, yeah. Where like you think there might be all this like weird secret stuff under the surface, but then he's just like, I mean, yeah. Well, that really takes us into like. But the yeah, exactly. That I'm gonna- and then even further is my initial interpretation of this movie. When we first watched it, we were kind of we were like, "Oh, that was obviously sweet, really fun to watch, animated, blah blah blah." Just um, like pure nostalgia. Piece. Yeah, but I was like, "Was this just like him wanting to make a piece about childhood in the '60s? Was it really just like?" We should tell him what it's about. It's basically like a rendering of what I believe is like largely drawn from his own childhood yeah. in Texas, uh, being near NASA, and like the first trip to the moon whether it happened or not um yeah and i mean spoiler alert but it's kind of hard to spoil this movie but no no it's just like him imagining that like he randomly was neil armstrong or that that there was a apollo 10 and a half there was a secret mission the test mission before landing on the moon that they send this little kid up with unbeknownst to his family and anyone else and And uh, it's like going waking life mode yeah and like but the rest of the movie is is pure just like factual kind of just waxing on about um suburban life in the 60s and the kind of spirit of the time the spirit that was in the air amongst pop culture and like what it was like being a, a, you know wide-eyed youth in the 60s i mean it's kind of similar to so many of his themes um but this one was just so kind of whenever they weren't talking about this apollo 10 and a half mission it was uh it was just, yeah, just waxing on about kind of seemingly arbitrary details about growing up in the 60s. And at first, coming out of the movie, we were like, oh, it was obviously fun to watch, but like, what was... No, we were, are you kidding me? We were like, damn, what the fuck? Yeah, well, yeah. well no, I was like, I wasn't like, that was bad. I was like... It wasn't bad. I was like, I had a good time watching it, but like, what was the point of that? We were like, I guess it was a big shout. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, that was... He did random. it. Yeah. Um, and Ion 2 was like, 
oh, I need to like, no, there's definitely like really something there. And I was saying, I think his vibe is just, I mean, yeah. I think yeah, he was like just trying I'm to, uh, my childhood. yeah, exactly. But we've since come to a very different conclusion. No, I started going mentally. Ill yeah. We had night. to like, we had to go sit down and be like, all right, what's going on? Here? Well, here's, here's what was tipping me off. Like the movie has a lot of different portrayals and renderings of life in the sixties as you know, families being transfixed by the television and like television programs, mm-hmm. sitcoms, like horror movies, sci-fi movies, and how crazed that era was about the race to the moon with Russia yeah. and just like the American pride of us getting there first, mm-hmm. but all of it being transmitted through like the hypnotization and, of television. And to further that point too, it was also about how kind of the space mission was kind of serving as this general kind of optimistic thing across culture of, well, the future is so bright. The future is so open that we're going to be living on other planets. We're going to yeah. like, we're going to be living the space age. Like the future is now. Like, it was this like talking about how it was like showing newspaper clippings about mm-hmm. how like all marketing had been take o- taken over by like space age flash sale. Yeah. And like yeah. everything was like a rocket ship or an astronaut. Yeah, And people were generally just very optimistic and excited about the future. And it felt like anything was possible. And I think, it, but it does specifically frame it as like, this was a point of national pride rather than. Yes. Yes. Than that just like a, you know, space mission. It was sort of like this yes. was an American thing. Well, yeah, it was an American thing. But and then even further than that, it was also just so hopeful. It just made everyone think the future was so bright and anything was possible. And it was really just kind of yeah. It felt like music and like even movies and TV shows were like fun things in the background. But the main shit that was going on mm-hmm. was like you being involved in NASA. Like the dad in the film is like part of you know the shipping and receiving. You know branch of the nasa company which i thought was also a tell because the kid Mm -hmm. starts kind of telling white lies in school about how like his dad was way more important at nasa than he really was he was Mm -hmm. just in charge of like the shipping and receiving but he was like no he's randomly like hooking up you know designing the mission yeah yeah, yeah. like he's just making shit up um which started kind of began the theme of like this kid sort of embellishing the history mm-hmm. or embellishing his own personal histo- history to kind of make it more important in relation to the you know current events of the time yeah therefore well okay before we even get into this yeah, though, yeah, i want to yeah. just add the reason i bring up this optimism thing and the reason you bring up the american pride thing is it's beyond just those being like kind of plot points or whatever we it, should it, say we're talking about this as we're drinking Starlight yeah, Coke, so true. the space flared Coke, um, and it, it it really just kind of really uh, successfully set the stage as kind of everyone had stars in their eyes at that time. Everybody had such a hope and such uh, for the future and such a pride in their country, and uh, it, things felt like so idyllic. It was like the time of peace, the time of like we're moving forward together and like there's prosperity and there's a bright future and he really intentionally frames this around the television in a very josh yes harris sort very of very josh harris and and my, my but he he frames this and at first i think what the, on the surface level you just interpret this as oh it's like a portrait of life in the 60s yeah and that's 
he's just well, it's portraying sort of that. pointless when you watch the movie. Exactly. It's sort of like these montages of different like Gilligan's Island just so, sort of seems so, 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 like so so random. Like it was sort of like why are there all of these animations of like these TV shows that existed? These diff- like there's so many montages of B sci-fi movies. I'm yeah. like, Randy, why is he going the fucking is always yeah. about? Well, right, and, and that's, that's what I'm saying. And I think my first inter- like baseline interpretation was, oh, he's it's just like a nostalgia piece, but. I think it was serving a very different purpose, and I'll let you explain. Well, there was a big tell in the movie. Like, Richard Linklater, I think, at this point in his career, is obviously a very masterful filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think that every decision that goes into his writing process when he's writing a script and making something, especially when it's going to be so detailed in terms of an in terms of an animation like if they go what the fucking is always with the animation and like everything is very specific like no scene is wasted and there's this scene where the sister in the movie is playing lucy in the sky with diamonds uh for her brothers and she's kind of doing the age-old tale of like no you gotta like you know it's a it's a it's a hidden secret message like it's, about, it's actually about acid, like Lucy in the sky with diamonds, LSD. So like, and she says something like, all the kind of like square straight people are like not going to get it. They're just going to read it as sort of like a psychedelic, you know, or just like a fantastical pop song or whatever. But the real ones know that this is actually about like a drug trip. And it felt so cliche and on the nose that I was like, is he actually just putting this in there because you just because like oh yeah that's such a 60s thing for like a sister to be explained it's very like almost famous mm-hmm. um and but that got me thinking i was like is he try- what is he is he trying to do something with this movie right is well, he trying to like trojan horse an idea here well then there's the scene with the aunt and then so i think if you're a fan of richard linklater you know he's not necessarily a big fan but he's fascinated with the idea of the conspiratorial American, like the, Alex Jones was in Waking like Life. rogue figures mm-hmm. on Rogue, um, and that's on Rogue, and that's on Rogue. Um, rogue figures in throughout American history and culture who are like obsessed with conspiracy theories or propagate them or whatever. I don't think he's ever necessarily been like pro conspiracy, but he's clearly yeah. has a fixation on just like mm-hmm. the concept of having a conspiratorial mind. Yeah. Or just the idea. I don't idea think he's really taking a stance on it either way. He's just kinda like that's not my job. I, was, I looked into it a little bit. He's sort of like he clear he pumped the brakes a little bit on his associations with Alex Jones yeah, well, when those fanny yeah, sure. shit happened, but you know, he definitely had to. Um yeah. I mean, this is the bulls out here making like million dollar Hollywood movies. So it's like Yeah, know. well also I mean I've said this before on the pub with Alex Moore. Uh, Alex Jones like didn't used to be a right wing or even just like really a political figure at all. Yeah, like his whole thing, like he hated Bush. Like it was not political. It was he was yeah. like critiquing power. But this was not. He's not like some. I think people who've only learned about Alex Jones post Trump think of him as some like Rush Limbaugh or something. But he, it's like yeah, he was not political. He was like yeah, my parents vibe about them. It's like oh that asshole. Yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah, because I was really into Coast to Coast and I am Art Bell and he was. When I was young, and he was kind of tangential to that. I didn't know a ton about him, but he was just like it was like fringe radio stuff. He was that, just some guy that went to fucking as always. Yeah, and a lot of people took it seriously. Some people, it was mostly entertainment, but there was something about the spirit of it that you could extract something from that was actually useful. It was Doctor Jacoby in Twin Peaks. It was yeah, just exactly. Like crazy, like yeah, but bowl. It, but it was not right. He did the interview with Lynch, and he did like he was not a political figure yeah. at all. So it was very different. 
like the idea of a conspiracy theory and, and Alex Jones was quite different pre-Trump. Anyway, continue. Yeah, so there's a grandmother in the movie that's like, you know, she's like, oh, she always like came through with like crazy conspiracies about how like John F. K. or John, you know, John F. Kennedy were John F. K. Sick. We're piece, both delirious. I need to piece the fuck back to home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're both so delirious. About how John F. Kennedy like didn't actually die and like he was like a vegetable and like America couldn't stand to see him in the state. Like stuff that like was clearly like kind of crazy. Just, you know, the conspiracy theories of the day. But there's like a, there's a literal conspiracy theory person mm -hmm. in the, in the movie. Mm -hmm. And there's this other thing about like, you know, here's this artwork, here's this song. And like people think it's about this, but it's really about this. Mm-hmm. So I was like, those are those are pretty intentional decisions as a filmmaker. And, you know, the movie, when you if you were to write out what the synopsis is in the plot, it's about a kid. Uh, well, there's also one third tell, which was actually the biggest moment in the movie to me. So, yeah, spoilers ahead, by the way. Um, but the movie is essentially about like, you know, this big historical national event, like us getting to the moon for the first time. And like, we've basically not done that since for some reason, which is really weird and fucking mm -hmm. unrated as fuck. Um, <laughs> yep. um, and it's about a kid's relationship with that moment in history and him making up and fantasizing about the fact that he randomly did it first. So there's this idea of like, you know, filling in the gaps of, you know, memory and history and like, oh, I randomly went. It's just like this weird, like, you know, it's just a fantasy, basically. Like the whole movie is, bit, you know, it's like, why is that what the movie's about? Why is the movie just not like about the fact that we got to the moon? It's about like a kid thinking that he randomly did it. And I think the why that ended up working was like, there is this final tell in the movie where the kid actually falls asleep. Like they're all sitting in front of the TV the whole movie is kind of shown through television broadcasts of stuff that's going on with Apollo 11. And it's like the whole family stays up and watches it. And the main character of the movie, the kid who like dreams that he randomly gets contacted by NASA to like try out the mission first, he falls asleep in classic Linklater fashion. I, do, I love the Linklater trope of like a kid falling asleep and dreaming. It's like this, that's mm -hmm. like the great, that's the sickest shit to me. Um, but he falls asleep as they actually start walking on the moon and he imagines that he's the one walking on the moon and then the mother carries him off to bed and they're laying him down to bed and i actually don't want to get it wrong because i actually have the i actually have the quote pulled up on my phone mm, yeah i also have the quote for after this oh yeah the, yeah here it is okay so the line the mother gives because the dad is like, wait, was uh whatever his name in the movie is like, was he awake when we actually walked on the moon? And she so, says, yeah, the whole family is watching the moon landing on the TV, and the main character falls asleep. Falls asleep. Yeah, and the dad's you know wondering if the one kid was actually awake or not. She was like, mm -hmm. he was like, oh, was he already awake or was he already asleep when they walked on the moon? And the line the mother gives is, even if he was asleep, he'll someday think he saw it all. Which is this really interesting idea about like your memory filling in things and making you think they were they actually factually happened. Yeah, it's the lost how wish it. I remember things how I want to remember them. Yeah, which is a, I mean that's obviously a classic idea in movies, but I think specifically framed in the context of something that's been historically questioned, like the moon landing, mm -hmm. and with some of the other hints that we've just talked about, 
things start to get really interesting. I'm like, is this right. low key? Well, it's why also a moon landing conspiracy movie. Yeah, eighty five percent of the movie is just kind of factual and almost mundane daily life in the like, 60s to a degree that's kind of unbelievable for yeah somebody that's just like such there's no story thing. there's no like things leading anywhere it was just like yeah and you know things like really going the fuck in is always about life in the 60s like we used to play games that were we could really get hurt at but no one cared that was how mm-hmm. it was back then we used pesticides uh they were really toxic but yeah. people didn't realize that in the 60s it was just kind of kind of speaking to the innocence oh i forgot the other main tell of the 60s the scene where he's explaining 2001 right stanley kubrick the god to the other kid on the playground and the kid like checks out and walks away which to me i mean this might be me really reading into it but that just it literally is the way that it hit me when i watched it i totally agree like he was he was becoming obsessed with 2001 and he wanted to like explain that plot to another kid and the kid wasn't interested which to me felt very metaphorical for like when somebody has a conspiracy theory and the other person that you're explaining to thinks you're crazy and it's just I'm like oh i can't listen to this yeah and like obviously kubrick has been tied into a lot of the moon landing hoax conspiracy theories via yeah. the shining 2001 well, via the fact that he filmed the movie the fact that he filmed the moon yeah. landing all of that so okay then we decided we needed to like learn really kind of learn um or, or just grapple with link ladders views on this kind of stuff and conspiracies I thought I was really onto something because I saw Apollo <laughs> Ten and a Half fan theories YouTube video, and I was like, "Oh, other people think it." Yeah, and then it was just like some random Indian girl like reciting the information. Yeah, about one of those the movie. Is like filler like, algorithm dude, things. What are those things? It's some type of algorithm thing. No, but it was like an actual person. I know they like, just like it's like. There's a new film by, from Richard Linklater about. Yeah. I was like, what, I was like, what the fuck is this? It's just this like content by quantity thing that they, you can make money off of. It, has, it was cold as fuck. I had like 30 views. Yeah, uh, dude, I, I have no idea. I think, I don't know. I actually don't know. That's actually interesting. Anyway, but I have this other quote. Yeah. So this was from, what was this from? An article on Slacker? Well, I have a couple quotes. I'm trying to see if it's the same one that I have. I'm just going to read this. Shot on a budget of just a few thousand dollars and on 16 millimeter film mm-hmm. stock, Slacker premiered at Austin's Dolby Theater in 1990 before going on to make waves at the Sundance Film Fest- Festival the following year. It would foreshadow Linklater's signature directorial style in which dialogue-driven stories turn the mundane every day into something beautiful or fascinating, t- typified in the Before Trilogy and Boyhood, both of which were shot over a number of years using the same respective cast. But none of Linklater's other films would ever quite so extremely abandon traditional structure. Still, let's not forget he directed School of Rock in favor of character and dialogue. With Slacker, almost every character has their own idea of as to who shot JFK, when we really landed on the moon, and how to harness the psychic power of the televised image. It's hard to think of any other film where conspiracy theories are so explicitly rampant. The key term there being the psychic power of the televised image. That's actually more relevant to what we're saying than the explicit reference to when we really landed on the moon because yeah why was there such a focus on any time he watched the tv in the movie he fell asleep yep then he would start portraying these scenes of everyday life in the 60s where everything was kind of uh 
everyone was kind of naive and and hopeful and patriotic, etc. And all of these were all of those kind of stretches of parts of the movie that were explaining that were bookended by falling asleep in front of the TV and and just being just totally transfixed and obsessed with the TV. And Which being, does remind me of Josh Harris and how like Josh Harris is someone who like totally notes his own view of reality through the influence of television in his childhood. Yeah, and, and it's actually like that was the hypnotization of like how he in, engaged with It's actually world. similar to what we were saying in the last pod of when with songs but of, of anything like when mm-hmm. you are really uh when you're really in something obsessed with like a piece of art, you it like melds with your identity. It's how you think yeah. you're presenting to the world. It kind of was like that. It was the whole family, all the siblings would be around the TV, they'd be fighting it. They would get obsessed with um Maybe watching the news and the older sister would explain like this is the real because like uh, the old old people are squares they don't understand and and this kind yeah. of thing there was all this sense of someone's perspective being broadened by the TV but what it actually was was they were being just kind of transfixed by it and just yeah. wanting to escape into it and kind of being getting this blanket put over their minds of of like a hopeful future that didn't exist as we now know because of being so transfixed by the TV and and escaping into it. And that's also the only reality we're really presented with in the movie outside of the nostalgic 60s stuff. Like we never actually see the real inside of NASA. We see the inside of the dad's office who is not involved with any of the moon landing stuff. And anytime uh, we do actually see inside the control room, it's inside of the kid's dream. Exactly. It's his imagination of what it would be like. And everyone in the school, it was like kind of a point of it was like they live in the suburb near NASA because NASA had, was employing so many people that there was these kind of like prefab developments that got built in suburban Houston Mm -hmm. and it was just filled with families who worked for NASA. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, everyone had some kind of vague job at NASA, definitely not that high up. And but they were all weirdly just like placated by their like white picket fence dream and like this hope for the future and raising kids and just like living the American dream. But it's not, it never fully explains like what NASA's fully doing and, and higher up. It's all these people no, were the working for very in the lower far ranks. away from the actual logistics of like exactly. how it works. And it feels that way in, in like kind of specifically and intentionally to kind of highlight the fact that we don't actually know the details of any of this stuff. And mm-hmm. like, you know, that's actually what gives way to conspiracy theories. The other th- the quote that I had from about Slacker was, the theories start from the opening scene where Linklater himself plays a traveler pondering alternate realities in the cab of a grimly uncommunicative driver, which is like a direct parallel to the kid on the playground explaining Mm. 2001 to the kid who's like uncommunicative and like not fucking with like him questioning reality but one of the most memorable and endearing of slacker's rambling conspiracy theorists is john slate's jfk obsessive who gets so much honest geeky enthusiasm into his performance that it's hard not to relate to him furthermore while promoting his 2013 film before midnight link later said of alex jones he's really smart and i like the way he thinks so the way he thinks is the is the key word there exactly way he thinks yeah Richard Linklater is not someone who has portrayed and depicted conspiracy theory-minded people for so long in his movies that this is even a crazy take on this new movie. Like, it's actually right. pretty directly related. Mm-hmm. And also, like, in Slacker, there, like you said, there, there are people, like, literally fake moon landing shit is in that movie. He's, like, highlighting yeah. right. people having that idea. 
So and, for him to make a movie about the moon landing, it's like, hmm, what is he trying to say? And yeah, and and I'll mention. Okay, we've we've mentioned how you know Gilligan and all the hit TV shows and sci-fi, etc., mm-hmm. of the '60s. He's talking about that fascination, but it's also all bookended by always watching news updates about the moon landing. Right. Like that being this unifying thing that the entire world is obsessed with. And so it's interesting in this quote that is read that in Slacker, he's literally objectively talking about literally the moon landings not being real as a conspiracy theory. And then the next thing they talk about is psychic power of the television. It was like the unifying power of the spectacle of the moon landing yeah. and the kind of patriotism that it made people feel in addition. Okay. So that is bringing along this kind of unifying patriotism while everybody also is just in general as serving as this catalyst for, for a bright future and everyone's like living the American dream, prosperous lives. Everyone's very kind of, placated uh, yeah. and hopeful and it's serving as a catalyst for that I don't know seems pretty clear to me I had a bunch of notes down that just like everything started making sense to me afterward there's all these extended sequences of the kid being on the moon himself like this mm-hmm. imagined reality of something that literally didn't happen and they're really long it's very like pay attention to this yeah. like, why is this happening the end title cards are really weird yeah, but, and seem yeah. sort of snarky they're like and we never went back yeah it says yet, like however many it's, people like, I don't remember corny, and I'm like is he really just this corny now or is he trying to say some shit? Yeah, it says however many people land on the moon between 69 and whenever right. else. And also no one's been t- back yet. The, yeah, exactly. And there's also the title itself. Because to me, like the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds thing was like, okay, so let's look at the title of this movie, which is Apollo 10 and a half, like a space age childhood. Like, what actually is the fucking name of the movie? A space age childhood. So mm-hmm. I was like, A-S-A-C, what's that? Like... A, oh, you're going deeper than me. I know. I was going way too deep. But then, if you just look at Apollo Ten and a Half, like that's a very evocative title. It's like not quite Apollo Eleven. It's like the vibe is like not quite true. Yeah. yeah, it's like not. We didn't actually really do it. I think it's a pretty sick title um, because Kubrick did do it. Um, yeah, so many extended sequences of the family being hypnotized by the TV with just shots of their faces, always watching fiction. And like then that being replaced at the end by what maybe is being suggested as a fiction, which is like our national achievement of Mm -hmm. reaching the moon, which I mean, it's really, it is really underrated. Why have we not gone back? I've read every article about like the reason we haven't gone back to the moon is actually a lot more depressing than you might think. So I'm like, it's actually because of budgetary and political reasons. I don't, I don't know if I buy it. We had. Why they were we filming the shit. Come on. I know. I was going. I was broadcasting. Dude, the I was looking at like four K upscales of like people. <laughs> you know, of like people doing the shit, dude. Like, there's always these weird artifacts. The shadows make no, no sense. I, I'm actually gonna link in the Discord to like this actual video of like this upscaled video of like what apparently is the impossibly recorded walk on the moon. Yeah. It's oh, like I'm oh, so they had the camera attached. To the like landing bay i was like what how like on film or like how was it broadcast like it, it was like this yeah. was like 1969 i was like they didn't fucking have that shit back then <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> i like oh looked into God. it it's like oh but they had like broadcastable video and i was like did they i was like i thought like i guess tv I guess they did but like 
from the moon? <laughs> Fuck I mean, that. they had satellites. I don't know. They did not. I'm sorry. They did not have that shit. But um, I mean, yeah, we got to revisit Room 237, the documentary about Kubrick hiding everything and shining. Yeah, no, we, we should. That he, I've, I watched it back when it came out. Well, like the little kids I wearing remember. the Apollo 11 sweater. Well, in room 237, which room is, where the, is where the bad energy is, which also relates to our own life because 37 is sort of an unlucky number in our life. Very true. 30, it's a lucky one. Um, also, I love the actual description of the movie. I was like, he's basically saying it right here. A man narrates stories of his life as a 10-year-old boy in 1969 Houston, weaving tales of nostalgia with a fantastical account of a journey to the moon. I was like, okay, mm. so the movie is about right, 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 right. a fantastical yeah, account yeah, yeah, of a yeah, journey yeah. to the moon. Which one was fantastical? Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't talk about like the American moon landing, a fantastical account of a yeah, journey to the moon. And you think you're just thinking of, of his dream of him being launched into space as an Apollo 10 and a half. That's the fantastical one? Or is the real one fantastical one? There you go. I mean, dude, then I started take, sending you pictures from the broadcast. So I'm like, oh, this is fake as fuck. <laughs> it's dude. like, how is the where? How is there multiple cameras on the moon already as they're landing? There's no, I mean, come on. I know. It just doesn't really make sense. And you already know the God, Richard Nixon, fucking <laughs> made this shit up. <laughs> Dude, as soon as I they started showing Nixon, I was like, oh yeah, this is some bullshit. <laughs> President Nixon made what's been called the longest distance phone call ever while Armstrong took his first steps onto the moon. I was like, look at this lying motherfucker. <laughs> so so like, I'm making the first phone call. <laughs> the longest distance phone call of all time. You know what I mean? He just like thought that was sick. It's like kind of Trump energy. So true. Trump's also like, one of the first pre like maybe the first president since nixon who remember he was his whole thing was like we're going back to the moon yeah well and it's all well it also the it's a good idea th there was so much um american there was so much tied up into like showing america's power with it also, like dude, it was tapes was politically motivated for years i know I was, I was like oh yeah they lost the tapes i was like come on i know i was like this is like yeah epstein's tapes are lost the moon landings lost come on i know what camera was it shot on? <laughs> so I'm actually being dead ass. Why is there no information about what kind of camera was attached? Like, it was, first of all, it was attached to the outside of the thing. It's like going through like different fucking like, it's yeah. going through space. I mean, and, like, no, the that, dude, this is the other thing. It was like, you have to remember Fuck this was that. like, this was cold war. This was like, we needed the to cold war. It was so true. <laughs> we need to bring back the hot war. Yeah. <laughs> Eugene out here fighting for fighting a cold war every day of his damn life. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this was like, there was so much invested in stoking American pride and identity through the shit and also just like showing America's power on the world stage blah blah blah, blah. like well, when you look into conspiracy you have to look into like all right so what the, what would be the motivation behind that and, so much motivation. and this movie, every, this every movie is literally the the almost the point of the movie mm -hmm. is what the motivation was exactly it almost is like an explanation of like if you read it as a conspiracy movie it's like the entire movie serves as like here was the motive mm -hmm. it, it was the American dream will motive to get to the moon symbolically which is actually i mean not not to skip ahead or to switch gears too much but like it's actually did make it, i was thinking about this while we watched the oscars and how far we've fallen yeah. culture is so trash right now 
No, because we had like an Oscar party and like we all watched the televised event and it was something that I really, despite always being sort of a farce on like a fake bullshit thing or whatever, it was always like at least slightly aspirational to me because I was like, okay, so there's like the, the dream of being a movie star or a film director or like a composer mm -hmm. for a movie. You know what I mean? Like that was, yeah, it, yeah. it provided a dream. What the fuck is really good? It's Ion One again, as you already know. And yeah, we gave you a decent free section, but I mean, I know we go to fucking as always, and I don't even need to say it, but I mean, this time we actually go to fucking as always. Like, we really go in. It's like well over two hour solo pod. Doesn't happen very often, and we cover a lot of ground. So you haven't even heard. I was going to fucking about the Oscars and the slap and Will Smith shit. You already know all the shit you want to hear. Um, and then after that, we go way in about way more. So head to patreon.com slash the ion back. You do not want to miss this one. You already know. Patreon.